Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to Process. Excuse me. <laughs> welcome to the On My Block podcast. I'm your host, Mike Well. Thanks for watching. If you're enjoying, please subscribe, rate, and review on our Process Inform channel on YouTube. You can check our audio version of the show. If you don't want to look at this face or watch any film, check out the audio version of the show anywhere you can get your, uh, your podcast on the Believe Network. Find me at Michael 16 on Twitter to process to perform on Instagram. We're on our, doing our first international show here, which means I'm going to sit in a, uh, a kitchen, in an international kitchen. How cool is that? Versus sitting in my desk. Our show is always sponsored by BetOnline.ag. And as everyone knows, the only people who don't get time off this year are pro athletes and us at BetOnline. With National Football League Bowl season and NBA in full swing over the holidays, BetOnline isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up-to-second odds, news, and info. BetOnline has all the sports wagering information you need available with both desktop and mobile access. So head there today and get into the action. Remember, use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline, where the game starts. And uh, this, is, this was an interesting game. So the Packers end up getting 127 yards from Aaron Jones. We survived what I just call kind of a, a late push by the, the Carolina Panthers. We win 33-30. And it's funny because I played with the Panthers and I, I kind of try to keep up with both teams and, and to some extent both fan bases. A lot of the Panthers were, you know, we'll take the dub, but a lot of Panthers felt like they won this game. And it feels out there like a lot of, uh, I know that, listen, I, I can say from the locker room, a win to to get a win against anybody in the National Football League is a really tough. It's a tough week. It's a tough day of, uh, of work, and so you you take the W. But um, <clears throat> this certainly didn't feel great. I think uh, as as if you're in that if you're in that locker room, if you're in that organization, certainly part of the uh, of the fan base because the style in which um, the the Panthers look like a football team for the first time against against the Packers defense in particular, and I think. You know, anytime that happens to you, you take the win uh, and you, you go, hey, we'll, we'll make the corrections on tape. I think maybe one of the issues here is it's kind of a recurring theme, especially the last couple of weeks. You give up a 200 yard rusher, you give up a per- perfect passer rating. Bryce Young looks like the number one pick in the draft for the first time all season. The Panthers offense scores 30 points for the first time all season. They're averaging 14.7 going into the game. So I have two main themes of the day. You know, number one, Aaron Jones makes the world go around in Green Bay. There's just no doubt about it. There's immediate impact on the offense. And uh, they, they obviously they dropped 33. And, and the Panthers defense, while they were giving up a couple points, uh, actually, like the points scored weren't that great. They were the number three defense overall as far as, as, far as yards. And Aaron Jones, from the, literally the first snap, uh, and I don't know if the, he just infuses everybody with more confidence. Um, certainly the way that he runs his style, his shiftiness and his power, his explosiveness are, are, are different than AJ. I mean, he's a very unique player. We talked about it. I'm a huge fan of him for, for years now. But everyone just seems to play a little bit better when he's around. Jordan Love goes 17 for 28 for 219, two touchdowns, no interceptions against another turbo free day for, for Jordan Love. He plays within the system. He makes some critical pre-snap decisions. Uh, definitely makes some adjustments on the fly. We talked about some of the off-schedule stuff that he's able to do. Uh, we'll see that on tape. And, you know, one of the biggest themes of the day for me, and I, I talked about it before the the <clears> – <throat> before the game started, what, what was going to be important was how Zach or how the offensive line, I should say, uh, handled that right side or the left side of the defensive line for the, for the Panthers, talking about Brian Burns and, and maybe Derek Brown, most importantly. And what the Panther, the Packers did starting off, and especially in the running, it was Zach Tom, because they went into base defense. You know, Derek Brown was going to have to play that, that two-gap look in base defense, and Zach Tom handled him. And he did a really good job, particularly early in the game. Derek Brown got his licks in because he's a great player, but Zach – Tom, really, you, you watched that first drive and how he drove drove uh, Derek Brown off the ball, how he was able to handle him in the run and pass game. Really, really big time. Um, he's becoming a player where I, this is the first time I kind of looked at the, the tape and went, God, is Zach Tom a pro bowler this year? And I don't know that he is. 
Um, but gosh, he's gotten, he's really, he's, he's really good. Uh, the second thing that is kind of one of the, the themes for me is, uh, and, and this hurts to say, but, you know, defensively, this, they're just, they're hurting for answers. You know, Carolina, again, they go for averaging 14, seven points per game to dropping 30. And Bryce Young was 23 of 36, 312 yards. He had two touchdowns, no picks. Young played really well. He looked like the first pick in the draft. It was the first time every, you know, if, if you're watching that game, whether you're a Panthers fan or not, you go, oh, wow, this kid's really good. And one thing that's maybe frustrating, I think, you know, as we, we did the preview show last week, you talk about all the things he can do off schedule. Um, you, you talk about his, his a little bit antsy in the pocket. Well, for the most part, I think we had two sacks. Preston had a sack and a half, and Quay had that the half sack with him. But for the most part, you know, you don't really rattle them. They're not an offensive line that's known for pass block protection. Uh, and he gets out on the edge more often than not. We had guys running over the top again in, in, in our pass rush lanes. And he did a lot of off-schedule stuff, stuff that you saw at Alabama all the time and just looked really good. So I guess the, the there's a theme, there's a question. What is it about this defense that makes things so difficult uh, for them right now? And I think we'll have to get into it a little bit later, but – you know, we talked about Joe Barry last week, and and there's some things that happened with Jerry Alexander that, that caught fire, I think, this week, only because of the way that that, that unit is playing. Um, let's get some tape. Let's watch tape. Nothing better to show you than tape. We'll start on the offensive side. We'll start on Packers defense versus the, the Carolina Panthers offense. And so we start in our base. And we got the tight end. I have the tight end circled in red. And this is what I'm talking about. Bryce Young's just playing better. So this is a pre-snap read. We have to have Rashawn Gary rushing over there. So you have uh, Stokes down there, uh, on the top of the screen matched up. That means the safety has to be playing this tight end. What is, you know, what's the easiest thing for them to do is just run a, a, a quick arrow. I think this is the first play of the game. So they run the quick arrow out, and then we don't make the tackle right there. Like that's not. It doesn't have to be a, a huge collision. It has to be a tackle, because if it's a tackle, you know, you have them down at the at the fifteen yard line. You know, and a lot of people love to complain about the coaching staff. But you have a first play. I think this is the first play of the game. You have a tackle at the 15-yard line. And instead, this guy rushes. I think this guy goes, makes it a second and one. And we ended up getting him down, but he drags out second and one for 10. Now, you talked about play speed and Quay. And one of the things that I really <clears throat> I'd like to see, because Vondre Campbell's out, Quay's in. Obviously, Isaiah McGuffey's playing. And when you let Quay, when you give Quay a, a, like a, a dog rush, like like they do here, you really get to see what the what the the ceiling is for this kid. As far as I mean, not a lot of not a lot of guys just take on a right guard and just flat out beat him with speed like that. And Preston ends up getting uh, half a sack there as well. You know, he's going to he's going to have a good day today because I think Ike Aquino on that on that left side has been struggling. So you know, get him getting a sack and a half today. I don't think it was a surprise, even though he was over on the other side when he got his his full sack. Um, but putting Quay downhill and just, hey, we're rushing B-gap, you're going to beat the guard. We saw this a little bit last year. I think the more they do that in the run and pass game, it really kind of shows you what his his potential can be athletically. And then now you just start continuing to build and put the pieces together as far as what are the things that are holding him, uh, holding him back right now. And we've talked about those things before, so I won't get too far into it. But you watch this play. They come down, they're going to try to run a crack on, you know, on your 13th pick in the draft, Lucas Van Ness. And then Isaiah McDuffie out here. They both do a great job of extending this play. Now, Lucas is really uh, – Van Ness is the, really the reason. You see 18 comes down, and it's kind of tipping him off. But you see Lucas goes – or Van Ness goes right into his uh, his chest and flattens this play out and then allows – you know, obviously the center's trying to run out and, and get McDuffie. That's a really, really tough block for him if they don't pull around. But, you know, for me, Van Ness really makes this play, does a good job doing exactly what he's supposed to do is just defeating, you know, defeating a, a, a crack block here. And I think when you look at, you know, last week I was talking about is he worthy of the 13th pick in the draft and I kind of lifted some guys that had been the 13th picks of prior maybe six, seven years and, and where, where they're at and what the expectation was. But when you have somebody like this on your team, again, this stuff is at, you know, kind of 
bare minimum what you should be able to do at a high level. And I, he certainly does. I think he fits that criteria. So just, you know, with all these guys, these young guys in particular, you got to continue to prove. Look, I wasn't, I wasn't any good until my fourth season. I was okay my second season. I got benched my third season. I was, you know, started getting good my fourth season. So, <clears throat> you know, just to sit here and say that we're supposed to pop right out of college, which where most of these guys are underdeveloped now in college, to pop right out of college and be able to be something, you know, you're asking a lot. And I think that's just a, a really, it's an unrealistic expectation. Talk about attacking downhill again with Quay and what that does. So. If you're going to – Quay, this is a run, a stun. Quay's going to attack that B-gap. It frees up your 2-I, okay, because it creates a single block with everybody across that front of the line. And you watch uh, – Isaiah McDuffie's going to end up making the play here, but you know, really Quay hitting this like he does and taking that guard off the 2-I allows the 2-I to get in on the tackle, has to make the running back cut back, stop his feet, and then Isaiah can just come and clean this thing up. But – when we talk about these kind of places, this is a little bit later in game, but same concept. Quay is going to hit this A-gap, and he just sacrifices his body here. But what that does is it frees up Kenny Clark on a critical play in the game. I think this is a third and two later on. It frees up Kenny Clark to be single block. You can't single block Kenny. And, and TJ Slayton does the same thing with Isaiah McDuffie. I'll rewind this a little bit so you guys can see. But these are the things I've been talking about weeks now you see isaiah is going to hit the a gap and you see quay is also going to hit it and what that does is it frees up single blocks with leverage uh tj on the left guard and then obviously big kenny on a backside tight end so this is kind of a scheme flaw in this defense you're going to see that we're going to bounce back to a single high safety and they're going to run a stick nod with the tight end down on Isaiah McDuffie and McDuffie just keeps flattening here he turns his shoulder pads back to the quarterback he's at the 42 yard line there down in the, sh in the shadow tight end opens up and now the tight end has that alley pass and this is a really difficult <clears throat> when you're running through because that safety is so high it has to be because of the backside uh because of the go routes on both sides but you really leave yourself vulnerable for a good pass but bryce young hasn't been making this pass so they run the stick down to the tight end and these are the things that you start talking about there's a lot of space there and then again we miss a tackle and you know i i think i've told you guys this before i work for a team they gave up a hundred and 100 or 200 yards of rushing one day and 100 of the yards of it was after contact. I was working as a tackling specialist in, for, at the time and you go in and you go, guys, listen, their offense isn't their offense if you just tackle the football. And we've already seen two plays here. We've probably given up close to 20 yards of, of, of extra yards after contact here. I like seeing this from a development standpoint. Seven's calling the shots. You see he's getting up there, shifting guys at the last minute. And, you know, we talk about processing, talking about being able to be the captain of that defense, the quarterback of the defense last week, and, and how important that is. Obviously, I think McDuffie and Lucas Van Ness can in and actually make this play. This is a huge fourth down stop. But running that, you know, that's probably new with Devondre out. Quay's gotten a lot of experience and exposure to that. His ability to adjust at the right time and, and having that, that kind of command of the defense is what everybody's looking for. So this is a development and growth, I think, from Quay here, even though really the, the, the spotlight could be on somebody else because of uh, McDuffie lighting up those guys in fourth down. You see Carl Brooks, 94. He keeps showing signs of just being a, a really high-level pass rusher. And uh, this isn't the first – I mean, he did, every every week he gives you one. I think usually on the right guard, too, he seems to have an affinity for that. But he, he gives you something every week that makes you go, we, we have a shot here. Now, this is the stuff that drives me insane. I've talked about it before. If you're stunting sideways, it basically means you don't feel like you can take your guy head up and listen, you have some success, but sideways is a 50-50 proposition. Sometimes it looks good. Sometimes it looks really bad. And in this situation, you know, this is a difficult block for that center and left guard to dig out the defensive tackle up to Quay, up to seven. But if you're going to jump outside of the left guard's block now, and he's able to stay up. Look at the movement. I mean, 
just because, and we're talking about, I think this is, this is Kenny, but look at the movement you can get and the left guard locked him up and there's a four yard hole that Chuba Hubbard or any myself, you who's watching the show could run through. And it's just unnecessary in these situations. You know how hard it is to dig out a, a nose tackle with a, you know, a center and left guard up to a linebacker. Like it's a hard job and you've just moved yourself out of the way. You know, it's, when you talk about rushing yards, it's, it's, it's just free eating right there for no reason. Quickly coming downhill again. And so this is the reverse for touchdown. And this is one of those where we just got, we didn't get caught, but listen, they have a run stunt on. So Quay's going because it's a run stunt, but he can't quite get through. And then McDuffie gets completely turned around, doesn't know who's got the ball. It's like, who's on first play? And, you know, everyone's talking about Jair. Jair's sprinting across the field to try to make this play. But again, listen, love the effort. But right here, man, make the play. You know, make them earn that touchdown right here. Just get bounced off of. And this is like those plays right there. I love the effort. But then when it, it's it's like – you know, it's like I tell my kids, you work so hard to get over there. For God's sakes, make the tackle, you know, because, again, you probably make the tackle on the four-yard line. And, yeah, maybe they, it's, you know, high percentage of they score, but maybe they, maybe they don't. And I guess what I'm saying is if you're not executing, like if you're not doing the basics here, all this other stuff we talked about, all the scheme, the coverage, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tough sport, guys. I really like the way they insert here. This is a, a, a problem for the Packers or really anybody who watches. So go back up. So these are two tight ends. They're hipped off. They're going to run a, a under center play. Under center play action was huge for them, as we know. Under center play action, they move the pocket. This is exactly what we thought we thought they would do. But they're going to insert this tight end inside the downhand, the, the three-point stance, okay? And it switches up the rules on the backside a little bit. Just does a little, a little, uh, a little confusion, I guess, for the, the secondary. And you see Stokes and the safety are staring at this guy and the safety realizes i think zoans realizes late that oh gosh we're going to leave the other tight end wide open because they inverted now the packers end up doing that on a touchdown i'll show a little bit later on but the responsibility switch for those defenders depending on who's the outside leverage player which one of the receivers is outside leverage so when they insert inside like that switches the responsibilities they don't do a good job of communicating again these are free yards because you're Tackling, you know, yards after contact, four more yards after contact, but this is an easy first down throw and catch. This is not a contested ball at all. Why? Well, because they just all they did is simply switch response. They should have switched responsibilities and they didn't. Again, this is too easy. When I say this is too easy, you got uh Isaiah McDuffie is is gonna come on the dog here, but the safety is already backing him up. I mean, does anybody on the planet not know or not know to go to Isaiah McDuffie right here if you're the offensive line? I mean. It's fine to bring a guy. It's another thing entirely to bring a guy in. The offensive line knows that he's got to run in that gap. Here's something that most people don't get. From an offensive line's perspective, if you are just going to rush, if you're going to dog a guy into the A gap or B gap, it's actually the easiest thing in the world to, to, to pick up because you kind of know that everybody else is not going to do any – like they're just going to rush in their lane. Most of those guys are just – for a lot of guys, this just turns into like a dummy rush. Like they're just rushing through their lane and see if they can get there. Like they, they're going to put effort into it, but you're not going to get their best move because you don't. They don't have a two way go anymore. Like they got to stay in the A gap, the B gap, the C gap. Unless they have a planned stunt on, most of this stuff's a lot easier. So you got to make this difficult for the line. And then you know we're out here again with Stokes, and he's, we're playing so far off. Easy five yard, but I, you know, I get the, the thing that the thing that is interesting or frustrating is that you're making Bryce Young, you know, all these pre snap reads, he looks great, he looks fantastic. And it's like, well, right there, it's like, Jesus, don't make it so obvious. Let's make it hard on the guy. This is an atrocious call, and there was a couple of these in the game. So they run the cross dog with uh, with Quay first, Isaac McDuffie comes around. Look, that's clinic. Okay, and, and he doesn't take it, he doesn't wrap and take him to the ground. This is a clinic play. That's, a, that's what you're supposed to do as football, football guys. 
Now back down here, you probably could have had PI down here. So they, maybe we got the list of the two evils on this ball. But uh, when are we going to stop this with the NFL officials, man? This is tough to watch. Sometimes they got you. And I think this is uh, Jair Alexander is running, chasing on Thielen across. And they've been doing this for years, the two of those guys. And Thielen just makes it an, an absolutely ridiculous play. And sometimes when your quarterback's struggling, you guys aren't scoring a lot, you know, you got to look to your best players to make plays. And, and the Panthers just did that, I think, a number of times this, this weekend. I <laughs> said this is disrespectful. And what I'm talking about is, Whenever Rashawn Gary is blocked by a tight end, he should just feel like the, the other team is insulting him. And he certainly does that here. I mean, I don't think I've seen a guy get you know, blown up five yards straight back on his backside, tackle for loss. Rashawn Gary, man strength there. That was just awesome to watch. And then, of course, our it's becoming almost a weekly Preston Smith annual appreciation post. Same, I think same tight end beats him. Now, to be fair, Quarterback's got to get rid of the football here, but he he certainly gets on there faster than he can. The, the tackle didn't even have time to react. Uh, Preston was almost like you know like water going around that tight end. Still playing at a high level. I think he's uh, six and a half, seven sacks now for the year. Playing just playing really good football. The safety here is held by so actually the outside receiver is going to make this this touch, this touchdown. But so they go into a bunch look. And the safety uh, is held inside. You'll see the circled wide receiver runs kind of a skinny post. And you see right here, it's important. He goes upside of the of the linebacker. And what that does is that it basically it zones off that entire side. So now that outside receiver knows if he wants to run any kind of angle route to the post, he can run that high angle. And he's got all the space free between the uh, inside of the hash and where he's at. So he's going to have all that space to throw. And it's just a good, it's a good scheme and it's a good route execution by that inside receiver, really hugging those two linebacker and safety inside. So that safety feels like he's threatened to the out, to the, uh, the top of the, the uh, far corner of the end zone. We got an empty three by two on the bottom. And again, you have the safety turning, worrying about the, the high side post. And just, you know, they're really their best receiver. You think the backside guy, you think one of the safeties is told to, to drive on the dig route here. And that they're not is very confusing now. You could say that is Quay where he needs to be. I don't think this is a Quay problem. You know, for me, this is a, uh, based on the structure of most defenses, someone has to be able to, to drive on the dig route and it's usually the play side safety it could be the backside you look at the backside guy seeing this late as well but one way or another you can't let the best receiver on the team catch the ball with 15 yards of freedom laterally we warned him about off schedule plays and it really bright young i think this is what he did all day and you look at the, the bottom of the screen here i think this is enic bari it's like where are you going man like where, like, where are you going like we Make him escape backwards. Don't let him escape with his shoulder pan turned towards the line of scrimmage. He's giving him an exit here to the bottom of the screen. Easy rollout. And I mean, this is if you watch Bryce Young in Alabama, this is what he did all the time. Made a lot of plays this way. It's a great pass. I mean, that is a that is a uh, elite level throw and catch in the back of the end zone. And this isn't one of those things where I sit there and go, listen, my whole thing is this. If you get beat in man coverage, you get beat in man coverage. And you just got to live and deal with it. Like if you want to go, if you're, if you're man or match and somebody beats you because their route's better than, than your defense and the ball's better than your defense, like that Adam Thielen one-handed catch, like you eat those, man. Those happen. But the reason that he got to that point is because the defensive end outside linebacker is rushing up, up over the top for no reason whatsoever and lets him roll out to the side. So – when you watch these plays and somebody's going to talk about, you know, I think that Stokes maybe, you know, he got cooked or whatever. No, he didn't. What happens is he's got to hold that block forever because he's getting rolled out on. And you got to go, what the hell is a guy getting, you know, able to roll out free instead of having to roll out maybe behind all the rush and having to throw the ball from five yards further away where the throw is more difficult? Well, 
our rush lanes are poor. It's it's, it's just as easy as that. And this is the two-point play. So they motion three <clears throat> into the backfield just to see what the, the defense would do. And, you know, I think with Duffy and Quay were going to shift, but he stopped lined up. So now they're just going to run a bunch of cracks here inside handoff. And this is tough because the guy team probably wasn't ready for this. You can see the linebackers certainly hesitated. The only person that knew, unfortunately, what was going on was, was McDuffie because McDuffie had to chase this on the backside because he was lined up on three. So he ends up almost catching Quay here. And the guy just runs through two tackles and makes a good play. It's a good scheme design and whatnot. But you can see that the problematic situation there is, you know, one, the identification, not being able to get to that spot on time. But two, even from the front side structure there, you have to close the door on that, I think, if you're Van Ness. So we go into this desperation mode here. And, you know, Bryce Young's just dealing right now. This is – we get a little bit of push separation here from the receiver, but that's a hell of a throw and catch. Like, he's covered. They did their job. And you see the safeties, you know, the safety has to be a certain amount of depth. I mean, they, they, all this stuff is pre-planned as far as where these routes are going to be. That's a hell of a throw and catch. It just it, it just is. And they go to the second play here. They got they leave the back end, so they go trips to the left. They throw it into their best player. Now, this is the one for me. There's 13 seconds left. Let me back this up. So 13 seconds left, I believe. Now, I just happen to know a lot of game managers in the National Football League, and I believe that they've always told me you have to have 15 seconds on the clock to expect to run a second play. In other words, to be able to receive a pass 20 yards downfield, everybody get there and spike the ball. You have to have, I think, 15 seconds. So when I saw this play coming up, I'm going, they're, they're not going to have time. And I wonder what they were thinking from a from the Panthers' standpoint. I know they, they have a game manager in there as well. It was interesting that they made this call because 13 is a, is, is a no-fly zone. Um, but they end up getting the yards that they want. It's just too little, too late. And whether he got there and spiked the ball, this, all this stuff, it's like it doesn't really matter. Offensively, um, let me give you some stats here before we go. One sec. So offensively, like I talked about Jordan Love, 207 yards. But as a team rushing, 34 rushes, 162 yards, 4.8, and two touchdowns. Long run of 39. Um, Romeo Dobbs had obviously the big day. He had the the late catch at the end. I think they put him over the top as far as uh, passing leaders. But Tucker Craft really is continuing to show in this offense. Now, you know, if you're Luke Musgrave, you got to be going, man, I can't get healthy fast enough. Um, Dontavia Wicks had a good day, two for 29 in the passing game. But really, the th- I think the theme is when when you're uh, when you're seeing Jordan Love having what you would just call a more efficient day. So I think 17 and 26, 17 and 28, but 219, like not big yardage. But the best days in my mind, at least, have been the days where you can run the football and he has 200 and some odd yards rushing and maybe 189 yards or passing, excuse me. And it's a, it's a much more balanced offense. You know, when he – if he's going to pull out a 350-yard day, he, I mean, you just don't want – I don't think you want this quarterback to be in that situation where he's got to throw the ball that often. Matt LaFleur did a great job here making the decision. And I, I don't know if this is how they thought about it. This is certainly how I thought about it and talked about it in the preview show. Is like, how are you going to attack Derek Brown? Because he's a different player when he's a two-gap than, he's in, than when he's in uh, a – the three-point stance and like a three technique, true three technique we can penetrate. And he's a really, really good player. They had Zach Tom blocking him early in the game against because they left him in base defense. So they went two tight ends, 12 personnel. So you see 89 and 85 on the, uh, on the line. Scrimmage 89 can even run the split flow here. So they're going to run the split flow weak. And they allow Zach Tom to just go one-on-one here. I think he actually gets backside help with the tight end. Yeah, that's right. So they get this great push and you just see the hole pop open. All right, and there's two things here that are great. Brian Burns has to hold for Aaron for uh, Jordan Love, but they get such good push from not only from Zach and, and I believe that's Tucker Craft, but also watch John Runyon Jr. just knock the hell out of this nose tackle. And actually, I think he ends up knocking Myers on the ground as well. But that's just a complete domination by John Runyon Jr. and a great job by by uh, Zach Tom. But having Zach uh, available to block next play. 
to be able to block Derek Brown and look at the push he gets. Listen, this is not normal. Okay. That is a, not a normal block for Derek Brown to get pushed. We've seen him against all pro guards. Okay. For him to get pushed back six yards off the line of scrimmage, single block is big time. And so, you know, it's like Aaron Jones comes back and like, is it, what is it about the Packers when Aaron's in the game? He plays, they just, they, at least initially in the game, they block so much better. I mean, AJ's, AJ's not getting that kind of love. AJ averaged 1.7 yards per carry again. A lot of that's short yardage, tough, tough yard stuff. But Aaron Jones is just, you know, there's just a breath of fresh air when he's in the game, man. So we have two tight ends, 12 personnel again. You really got trips down to the, the bottom of the, of the uh, field. Here we go. Motion across to a two by two under center play action keeper tucker crafts wide open in the in the flat why how is he how is he that wide open well we do the same thing we do the exact same thing watch the watch the play down at the bottom we go insert tight end the offenses man it's all the same you go tight end he, he inserts inside the uh the on the ball line uh, tight end right responsibilities get switched up and you see the corner here just chases the linebacker is now responsible for going to the flat. There's no way he's going to get there. And Tucker gets downfield and it's like, maybe he's into payment because last week he did the splits and took one right in the crotch. And I think he protected himself by going left leg high this time or, you know, inside leg high and not taking a crotch game. But that looks like that is painful to me. And I don't know if I'm, if I'm his size against the safety, you know, I weigh him by 30 pounds. Maybe I'm just lowering my shoulder every once in a while. We see Tucker Craft here. We did a little pump fake. This is a run play, so they're going to pull Eldon Jenkins. And he does a little, he keeps Brian Burns wide and he goes upfield. And, you know, he doesn't have, we talked about this. He just kind of has to splatter block this, this linebacker. He doesn't have to destroy him. His hands are outside. He, he gets the worst of this from Franklin Loop, but he does enough where Aaron Jones has time now and you see what happens they put the onus on the corner to make this play the corner's got to break down and go same foot same shoulder tackle here and because Aaron keeps this so tight to Jenkins block and then right here just lower shoulder and goes power knees runs right through and now you're talking this is literally the difference in the in, in the game between Aaron Jones being a hundred yard rusher and not being a hundred yard rusher in this game it's this one run okay and these are the things that happen when you have that special player. I love how he finishes to the ground. It reminds me of watching AG. I'm not going out of bounds, man. I'm going to get my licks in. Uh, when you think about the explosive offenses in the league, it's not always that, you know, Mike McDaniels is like a scheme genius. It's that they have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and Rasheem Mostert. Like, oh, like, you got speed. You got guys that are, are explosive. You're going to have an explosive offense. And sometimes you got to manufacture that stuff. But really, when you think about it, that blocking scheme hasn't changed. That defense hasn't changed. It's still a good defense, but you have that special player that just kind of makes it a little bit better. And that's, that's who Aaron Jones is for this offense. No doubt about it. Great job here. Safety's high pointed in and they're going to chase the first crosser out this, this deep crosser. And so we have out, we have inside leverage here down Robio Dobbs. We have inside leverage on the corner. So when he takes this little dig route, even though the Jordan Love knows he's going to have to get the ball in quick because that safety is going to drive, this is a great throw and catch. So steps into this throw, throws a dart, and Dobbs holds on, even though he's going to have to deal with that safety. Big time play there, man. Big time football. And this is the benefit of base defense, okay? Because now they're in nickel. And now you got Derek Brown downhill penetrating three technique on John Runyon Jr. And he just does a long arm. And they ain't running a T off this, but it's what I call a mesh T, mesh stunt, which just means he's not really trying to pick you. He's just trying to take that gap and win. So he long arm bull. Zach Tom ends up washing the whole thing down. But against a, a guard at three technique, he's just a much, much different player. And the NFL has to cut this stuff out, man. I know this benefited the Packers. This is Gross Mottos 97 hits Jordan Love here on this play. So this is a free first down 15-yard penalty. Look, this, is, this is terrible, man. Like the Packers screwed this up. Patrick Taylor, I think Rasheed Walker is probably supposed to stay on the defensive end. Patrick Taylor is supposed to go outside. They end up you know, screwing up responsibilities. Dude, that's not a penalty. I'm sorry. 
and I know even I don't know maybe they called helmet to helmet. I'm not sure, but this it just is terrible. I call this a trust throw, and what I mean by that is he has to clear the linebacker. And again, you know that safety's driving. Jordan Love throws this ball sideways, but he throws this ball. You see with it that the receiver is on the 20, let's call it the 22-yard line. And he comes back, he gets to the 20, he kind of bends this thing back. He throws this to a spot, and the spot's basically where he thinks that the receiver can get before the safety drives on him. So if he, if he leads him you know, high side into, at the 20, he's not going to make that completion. That's a trust throw. You're throwing to space. Great, great timing, great anticipation by Jordan Love. We got a three by two empty. This is what I love to see, right? He sees the coverage. He's telling the top receiver, hey, run across because I got something for him. And so this ends up being a busted play and we score on an off schedule throw. But my point to everybody is this is what you want to see at the line of scrimmage is Jordan having complete command of that play, not necessarily the offense and what he's allowed you know, to do and not to do. But in these instances, having complete command and being able to say, this is the play that I want. I'm telling you to do this, that, and the other. Telling the receivers what to do. And then being able to go out and make something happen off schedule from a maturation standpoint, this is a big time play. And then this is what these guys can do well. We're talking about the tight ends. <clears throat> Put them in a slip situation where, you know, we talked about this before, whether it's, you know, the outside guy off the ball or the inside guy off the ball, it doesn't really matter. But you're looking at two tight ends, just being able to block Gross Matos up to the second level. Just gets a hand check from Tucker Craft. I think Sims does a really nice job here. And Tucker Craft forces Frankie Lavu to go underneath. You're never going underneath on Aaron Jones and making the play. Outruns him to the sideline. That's the kind of stuff like you stay in your pocket, right? Stay in what you're good at. Now, the next very next play, Frankie Lavu is it. We talked about it. He is an incredible pass defender as far as being able to rush the quarterback under center. And so remember the Packers started off the game with these two long runs. So they just had a nice run on first down. This is the start of the third quarter. The second time they go under center and they want to go under center play action. They want to mix it up, right? Because they've shown tendency. They want to change that tendency. Really smart play by Matt LaFleur. But unfortunately he times this so well that there's just no way Aaron Jones can get there. And this is what a guy like, uh, you know, having a really high level middle linebacker does, it does really well. Now I think this is, <laughs> This is Jordan Love being a two-time winner. And what I mean is, frankly, we could have had two picks this game. And he makes a great throw on this first one to uh, <coughs> to Dobbs. Excuse me. Dobbs does a great job of running after catch. But he throws that ball perfect away from, away from the linebacker. Linebacker ends up trying to make the play and misses the tackle. You get downfield. And I think DeGuar ends up coming in and saving the day on the fumble here. But those are big-time plays. So Sean Ryan's in the game, and everyone's, uh, you know, trying to figure that thing out. And sometimes when it's working, it's just working. And what I mean by that is Sean Ryan goes the wrong direction. They run into – he runs into Zach Tom. We end up not blocking this player. We have the wham block block the, uh, the defensive end – or, the, excuse me, the defensive tackle. We don't get to the linebacker. Aaron Jones still picks up eight yards. Frankly, they won't – we don't block the linebacker. We don't block Lulu. Ends up working. Sometimes things just work and you just go, good, thank goodness that worked. Now, talk about the backside here. Stick with the plan. Don't have your, your tight end with his hand in the ground blocking against a good stand-up outside linebacker because that's not what he's good at. And in these plays like that, you know, in situations like that, you know, A.J. Dillon comes in the game and it's like, he need, we need a tough yard. And he's sitting here going, well, we didn't ask – Tucker Craft, the block gross models, you know, use poor technique, turn your shoulders, let him go across your face and shut the door on this play immediately. When, when Aaron Jones was in, what the hell are you doing with me? And it just depends. Sometimes these things are, there's a necessity of, of running plays. So you can't not run every, every, you can't run certain plays just because guys aren't, aren't good at what they do. Like you have to have things as your offense, you have to just get better at them. Right. But you do see kind of this weird, like the economy of of the scheme when Aaron's in and the scheme when when AJ's in or the execution and like there's nothing that AJ could have done there. He can you know you can say he could jump cut out and try to make something happen and and certainly you know maybe Aaron does that but it's tough sled. So we got the trips look. 
and we talked about this before with the tight ends when you when this player here does this so when he gets stacked or goes inside so the outside player kind of got stacked on the second the second player on the bunch look where they go inside it screws up the responsibilities of those safeties so the secondary or the corner on the safety the secondary is trying to figure out you know it's like who's on first moment again so right now the the responsibilities were obvious at the snap not so obvious now and so now we have leverage we actually have both players open because the safety at the top on the on the O in Carolina is pointed towards the crosser. So you can actually get, I think that's I can't see who's the who the middle guy, but the the the, the, uh, the high angle on the R, the between the A and the R is open and the flat is open. And it's just a responsibility shift from from the Green Bay Packers, it puts the Carolina guys really in a difficult leverage situation. Now this is a big play at the game. I wanted to highlight Patrick Taylor ends up doing a great job of stepping up. On a gotta have it play, does a great job of stepping up and getting this block because that allows Jordan Love to get this ball off. And this was not a catch. Um, you know, it was pretty obvious that the ball hit the ground, but you get the calls sometimes when you're a Green Bay Packer. And I certainly am not going to complain about that. Had a little bit of a communication breakdown here. between these two tight ends. This is a big play at the end of the game. You just gotta make sure you're right. Let me show you this again. So these guys are supposed to double up to the linebacker and you'll watch this. Tucker goes the wrong way. 89 Sims stunts, goes back inside. They're gonna run the G lead, excuse me. So they're not slipping. They're avoiding the run in the G lead, but somebody's got to account for Frank LeVu and Tucker's going backside and Sims pump fakes him, lets him go. And LeVu just knocks the block out of Aaron Jones right here. I mean, this is, this is like, this is one of those hits because he doesn't see it coming. You could have lost the ball right there. I mean, two-time winner, what we talked about, the difference between you know, the winning margin in this game is so razor thin. That play could have been a pick. I mean, it's that close. And you end up winning the game on that play. So the move goes for it, doesn't get it. And uh, you take the W, right? All right, so what I got wrong? First thing, Preston Rashawn against the Packers, offensive tackles. I thought they'd get more out of, you know, I thought Taylor Moten was going to have a good day and he's, you know, he's, a, he's a good player. This is one of those days where Bryce did a lot of things on schedule and when and when he felt jitters, the jitters, like when what we talked about, he got out of there. The rush lanes were poor again. I showed one, but there was plenty of them this week where it's you still have to be able, you can't let guys exit with their shoulder pads facing line of scrimmage. So we just still I continue to do a better job there. And it's not always you know pressing or shot. I should I should say outside linebacker, linebackers or defensive ends because he did feel pressure early. He did throw a lot of stuff on schedule, but he did feel pressure early when he was off schedule. He was able to exit the pocket in a way that was advantageous for his throwing position. Packers right guard versus Derek Brown. Um, look, putting Zach Tom on it was like the biggest early decision in the game. I thought it was huge. Uh, you saw what Brown could do against the guard. Now, Brown had what I would just call an effective day, but you know, wasn't getting back in the back in the backfield from a quarterback standpoint. Uh, let's see, Derek Brown ended up having nine tackles. Okay. So he's a huge effect on the game. So Frank LeVu, 10 tackles, Derek Brown, nine tackles. Okay. But there are no sacks, no tackles for loss. So you have to take that as a, as a W, I think. Um, but you just see what the, what kind of the problem is with him. He, his ability to disengage from that right guard or, or even exact time at times, especially in the second half, you know, I think Derek got the best in a couple of plays, but really, really good player. And then Joe Barry versus Thomas Brown. We talked about Panthers, Panthers offensive coordinator and the way they're going to use the RPO game, moving towards a downhill style of running, moving able to move the pocket. Like, you know, I think, unfortunately, Thomas Brown wins that matchup. You know, 30 points is 30 points, no turnovers. Um, just really high-level play, really, for the first time all season. And we talked about our keys to victory. Stopping the run, we did that. Um, we put the ball in Bryce Young's hand. Bryce Young just outplayed this, quite frankly. Bryce Young in that, in that Carolina passing game outplayed our defense. Um, explosive plays. We had tons of explosive plays, really starting from the, the first play of the game with Aaron Jones, and you just he continues to 
be the the lightning rod for this this offense when he's in the game. He just feels like everything's going to be okay. Uh, and then take the gimmies. I think for the most part, you know, the big thing with Jordan, Lord Jordan Love again, when you see he has a higher completion percentage, but he has a lower yards and there's no turnovers. I think right now that's the formula for winning. When you look at the last couple of games of the season, as they go to seven and eight and they have the opportunity here to still get into the playoffs, what you know, what are the requirements for victory? I think it's probably going to be some semblance of these these three things: uh, stopping the run. You know, having those explosive plays and then taking the gimmies, and those gimmies are the five-yard outs. The gimmies are the, the kind of the, the 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 balls that should be completed with in a position that the the, the receiver can continue his momentum upfield. You know, if you can do that, I think that's uh, that's the recipe for success. You know, the big takeaway here, I think, is based on based on the quality of opponent and the output that they had is, is time's running out on. I think from from a loyalty standpoint, maybe uh, with uh, Matt Lafleur and Joe Barry, Matt Lafleur being uh, the guy who makes the decisions. You know, I think time might be running out a little bit as far as based on some comments that were made after the game about the you know the plane calling was what it was. We got to call what's you know we got to play what's called. You know, the game plan was okay, blah blah blah, blah all all that kind of stuff. It just it feels like there's not a real belief in what's in what's happening, and I think that's, um, I think that's a real problem. I just think that's a real problem. Okay, a couple questions. There's a lot of rants on here, and not as many, <laughs> not as many questions. Let's see if I can get some. Um, I, it, so the question I'm talking about is Jair a problem or some of a deeper issue with the defense, the entire coaching staff? Yeah, I, I think I don't. I think Jair is, is is a lightning rod because he's so talented and he's not free to be outspoken. But I think the reality is if you're if you're looking at the situation, the the I said yesterday you have an authority problem. The authority problem is not Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander is not the authority problem. The authority problem is does the coaching staff feel like they still have authority over this group? In other words, are, are they being heard? Are they being respected? Do they do the, do the players believe, especially on the defensive side and what they're doing offensively? Like the progression between the offense now and the defense, giving, given the the skill set, given the the age and experience, like the progression on offense is so much steeper than the defense. You know, you could say that the is defense regressed. I don't, you know, who who's to say for sure, but the numbers tell tell a story that that we don't really want to read. Uh, Mike, is the issue Barry's defensive calls of the play in the secondary and inside linebackers? Everyone wants Barry fired. I don't see that changing much. Um, we showed it. You, you still got to make tackles. You still got to make tackles. You got to knock down contested balls. And if you don't do that, nothing's going to look good. Uh, I don't think you know, there's a couple plays. I say this every year. There's a couple plays, a game that you're going to lose because of scheme, regardless of who you are. You're going to lose a couple plays in scheme. And some and those plays, your, your, your special players have to overcome your scheme and, and make something happen. You're going to lose a lot more plays because you 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 give up yards after contact. Yards after contact is a much better indicator of success for me than what scheme you're running. But yards after contact is a coaching thing as well. So what it's how you know, the standard is the standard plaque on the wall. Like what matters to you? What is what are you responsible for? Bill Belichick always says, "What kind of defensive players I like? Oh, I like the ones that make tackles." Right. So it's just not it's not rocket science. You know. Uh, why was the running game better today? Was it Aaron Jones? Was it improved blocking? I, you see it. When Aaron's in there, things open up. And I think, you know, I can just tell you this. Up front, when you've got a guy that is a is a player that just makes explosive plays over and over, you do get excited up front. It's not like you sit there and you block differently, but there's always this like, like when Amon was in the game, or actually Najee, any of those guys, when you have those kind of players, versus a three yards in a cloud of dust kind of guy. The excitement level, do you strain more? Not consciously, but maybe subconsciously there is something to that. Like we know he's in the game. All we have to do is hold this block a little bit more and he can do something special. All we got to do is put him on the safety. He can do something special. All we can do is, you know, watch this down on the kick play, make sure that corner, because we know that corner is not going to want to tackle Aaron. He's going to lower his, he's going to lower the shoulder pads. Maybe he gets through and he gets another 30 yards like he did in the game here. So like you do know that stuff, you know, I don't think consciously anybody blocks better, but I do think Aaron Jones is, does make that difference. All these questions are about, um, oh, here's one on Tucker crap. Let's talk about Tucker. So Tucker, the future of tight end room. Look, I, again, I think if I'm Luke Musgrave, I wish I was playing right now. Cause you see what Tucker crap's doing in this offense and, and 
how Matt LaFleur is going to use the tight end position. It's going to be used even more, I think, when they get Luke back and you have both those guys next season. But Tucker certainly, you know, what what it seems like to me is, is Tucker Craft is, I don't, you know, I, he's certainly gotten better, right? But when you look at it, it's like, I think he could probably do all the stuff he's doing right now on day one. It's just a, a question of being comfortable with the offense, like trusting that you can make those calls and he's going to make the right decisions. Um, you, there's plays where he blocks well. There's plays where he, I mean, a lot of that stuff's like just you continue to develop. But I think a lot of this is going, is Matt LaFleur going, okay, this is how we can use this player. Like when they do the, you know, when they do the insert, the, the inverted insert, and then he's open in the flat, that's nothing he did. It's just the way that Matt schemes the plays. And that's whatever it seems like, what, because Carolina did the same thing. It seems like what everybody's doing, but getting that ball out in the flat and be able to turn your shoulders, and get downhill, being an athlete, you know, that's something that that's one of the reasons they drafted him. So you got to be excited about the opportunities that are continued to build for that tight end room. For me, having two tight ends that can play, you know, three downs, is one of the most powerful things you can have in an offense now. Because again, you just talked about the linebacker size, like the, the, the hybrid linebacker body and the ability to run the football with six, seven man boxes. Um, it changes the way that play, the team's going to play defense. Are you going to play base? Or are you going to play nickel against those guys? And the way you can attack any defense in the National Football League, given the fact that you have that kind of player, it really is a game changer. Obviously not as much as a Tyree kill, but there's one Tyree kill. There's a lot of these tight ends that are starting to get more and more popular. So the, the more that those guys can do as far as in the running game and in the pass pro, the more valuable they are to the offense, the more they'll be featured. So I think that's it for the day. Guys, we'll get the show back on 30. You can send, uh, send all the questions you have for me to Michael 68 process to perform on Instagram. Thanks for watching. We'll be back with a preview, international preview on uh, Thursday or Friday. Till then, have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.